Um, but I mean, let, just get into the scope of the movie because it's basically the plot of it is just the basic synopsis. It's a Christmas Carol, but the twist is is that the studio Frank works for is recreating recreating a live broadcast version of the tale with Buddy Hackett of all people as Scrooge, and uh, Frank undergoes his own ghostly, you know, like Scrooge like tale or awakening at the same time that the the movie or the live action is is kind of like practicing and rehearsing for their big night. Um, and that's basically the gist of the movie, so we can get right into it. I want to start out talking about that intro to this because it reminded me a little bit of what we talked about with Stay Tuned, which I love. It's like those parody type things. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact they start out with, like, Lee Majors coming in to save Santa Claus from the terrorists. God, that's so good. The $6 million man. <laughs> it's Lee Majors. It was cheesy ass fucking. It was totally 80s. Like... <laughs> I'll have to get into it in a little bit, but I was telling my husband, I was like, that this whole film of watching a live rendition of something be made, and I know that they've attempted that as of recently. We'll talk about that monstrosity a little bit later. But <laughs> back in the day, that's what they did. They did live, like coming to you live, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you watched these, and then there was commercial interruption. And I was like, I forgot about those days, honestly. Yeah, it's, well, the time, like Noah was saying, it's, it's on its, you know, death's door basically like the time of like everybody gathering around the three major four major channels and kind of like for these big events you know broadcast is just i mean it's gone yeah you know it's like stream it to me i want to see you know they've tried that there's been a few in recent years that's done that like you said but like you know most people's like whatever i don't have time for that like just record it let me watch it back later basically yeah and some of them aren't even worth rewatching. like uh the the remake of a christmas story that was live the best oh, thing God, I've ever saw. That was terrible. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know what really made me hate that movie and over the top was the part after. Uh, I think it was a part after he had lied about the soap, and then he mm-hmm. went. Then he went to the kid's house to say sorry to the mom and explain to the mom that he lied. It was Maya Rudolph was the mom, or, or I forgot what it was, or he told his mom. I forgot what it was, but he 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 gives away the thing that he lied about it or whatever. And I was like, no, 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 yeah, no. Which, that never happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, why would you do that? Like, a kid would never do that. You'd take that to the grave. <laughs> well, and they even make fun of it in the, in the movie version of that because he's sitting there and it's like, he makes the comment. He's like, we knew that, you know, he he, he was laughing. He's like, we knew better as kids. He's like, <laughs> that whole tell the truth and, and, you know, and there would be no consequences. We knew that was a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it starts out with that, and then we have uh, Frank, who's just it was board of director, you know, like his his big time people there working for him, including Elliot. He's like, you know, he's just basically telling them that their ideas are garbage, and he comes up with this big idea of how to like uh, promote the uh, new Scrooge live action that they're doing, and it's this awful like <laughs> series of images, like plague, famine nuclear terror or no it's just uh, uh international terrorism it's like this christmas <laughs> if you don't or you know before the world ends watch scrooge or yeah. whatever and it's just there's so much so- fucking truth to that though because that's literally they used fear we talked about this a lot in our in our devils in the detail season where we talked about how they used fear for everything used they, they still, still do well yeah true when when they said the international terrorism, I'm like, man, that is such a, so ahead of its time. It was. That, that was when I watched. It, I was like, oh, that is good. They nailed that. <laughs> 
And and then of course Elliot has the line where he's like, "Well, uh, I think that's a little too much," you know, like he's going into that. And then uh, Frank's like, "Get the fuck out." Well, no. The, so security. the best the best part with that, he's like, "I think it was a little too much." He's like, "He's a wish. I wish you would have said something in the meeting." He's like, "You you, you just showed it to us." He's like, "I'll rework it and get back to you then." He'll fire him. It killed me how he had to open his drawer and look at a mirror and smile at himself. That was so fucking cheesy. Was it though? I feel like I could actually see somebody in a corporate no, no, no. environment acting just like that. One hundred percent could see it. That's why I was like, "Oh my god, this is fucking yeah." I feel like that was something he might even ad libbed a little bit too, like his facial looked the way he looked because he gave that you know that smarmy smile, but then it was just kind of like there's the way that Bill Murray does like his little eye movements too. Like, <laughs> Fuck it, you know, Ew, it was cr- it was so cringy. <laughs> um, and so he and, and well, the thing is though, he doesn't directly fire Elliot. He goes the route of having his assistant fire. Yeah, Elliot, which is even worse. Like he made him think it was okay, and then he like was walking out thinking, "Oh, good, I like you know, I did a good thing." And it's like, nope, I'm fired. <laughs> That's how corporations cor- work, man. And then of course he has that whole shitty interaction with Grace, where it's like, "What the hell is this?" Talking about that, you know, her her mute child's like drawing oh, yeah. or whatever. That's the only bit of office, you know, personalization she has. And he just like, he's like, get that, throw that out. That, that looks awful. Just, just in the first 10 minutes, they lay out a good foundation of what a piece of shit he was. Like she has the appointment she made for her son that she needs to take him. He's like, if I stay late, you stay late. And she's like, what? <laughs> okay. That was, that was one of that. That was definitely one of his ad lib lines because it made no fucking sense. And he was just rambling, but it was f- hilarious at work. Cause it's like, and if I can't stay late, then I can't stay late. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what? Yeah. He just, he kept going on. And well, on, it, and it, on. But it lent to the character, how it's nothing but a me, 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 me fest. Yeah. Like it, he built enough of how much of an irreparable piece of shit he was that it, like it sells the character. That's the whole thing is you have to buy the character to, 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 to really get that transformational feel from the, the story. <laughs> and he even goes so far as to uh, when he sees Elliot being ejected from the building, he has to go out there and get one last jab at him oh, before yeah. he leaves or whatever. But he's leaving early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what got me is they didn't touch on because I felt like they could have did something, but it, they didn't need to do it. Was when when his wife and his wife belled on him just because he lost his job. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, it I was hope like, he doesn't get back with her. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, okay, so was their marriage that rocky to begin with, or was she just waiting for like a, you know, it's like, well, I've been cheating on him this entire time. This is, he's a fucking loser now. I don't even get the money from him. It's the comment leave. I always say, women are like monkeys waiting for the next branch. Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we have the scenes where uh, Frank is like going through town, like just, you know, throw, hurling insults at people left and right. I mean, he makes fun of this band that's playing on the street, which I think has uh, the the guy from um, uh, what's it called, um, David Letterman. David Letterman, yeah. It's a David like, Letterman's band. I was telling my wife that I was like, "That's David Letterman's band." That's Paul. Um, I forgot his last name. It's his name is Schaefer. Paul, Paul Schaefer. Schaefer. That's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I seen that. I was he like, makes, oh. And and I love the scene where he's accepting the 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 humanitarian. Humanitarian, humanitarian of the year. Humanitarian award. After he's done all this shit. And he's just like, I'm such a great person. I, I'm so glad that you. And, but he's so deadpan when he's saying it. He don't even believe yeah. he's bullshit at that He's just point. like, he's just performing, but not even. No, he's not even performing. He's just like. He's not performing. And then, dating. And then leave the award in the cab. Like, yeah. Fuck this thing. 
Oh, dude, it's hilarious. They did such a good job of building his character. Which at the, it's funny at the end when Elliot's going around the 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 room blasting everything with a shotgun, he actually cares about the awards then. Whatever. Oh yeah. Shot up. He's like my <laughs> He's my like, pride and joy. Well, it's my one of those things. Once once they once you get them once you get them all the time, they really don't mean anything. Yeah. True. Yeah. And those were probably like um, real. Like those were probably like entertainment awards versus what the fuck is this humanitarian award? I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> and then. I think we have the scene where uh, Grace is like trying to get him to like nail down um, like what he's going to give as like Christmas gifts to yes. his own brother. Oh yeah, and it's he's like I don't know, it's a towel or VCR. Hmm. Just give him the VCR, you know. No, he said the towel. Yeah, yeah, it was the towel. And Grace was the one that oh, gave oh, him the yeah, VCR. The towel, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, "What about me? Towel? My bonus? A bath towel? <laughs> she was using it too." Up. We have to bring up what Urena told me offline about uh, Cross. Yes. Uh, what, what, how, something you get nailed to. Or okay, something that was like a that, weird room. It? Maybe you guys oh, know what was going on. The one where his brother's riding the bike. Yeah, the, the his brother's. Bike. Yeah, yeah, and the stationary bike. And there's a, a a description of a cross that is like a thing you nail people to. It's well, it's some kind yeah. of. It's supposed to be some stupid motivational yes. thing. Yes. And it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was Cross, a thing you nail things to. I feel like this this movie combined with uh, American Psycho is like the perfect distillation of like the <laughs> '80s corporate like greed and horror form. <laughs> Just uh, I mean, like kind of playing up how stupid it really got down to and it, uh, how uh, superficial. Well, I, I don't think much has changed other than technology. Those same people <laughs> are the same way as technology. Now you can bullshit everybody. Like, oh, not really like this. Look how good I am. No oh, God. And and it's funny, uh, his brother is obviously, I mean, you can look at their faces and tell his brother is played by his real-life brother. I didn't know uh, that. One, one of the other people at his brother's Christmas party later on is played by one, another one of his brothers. And his dad in the movie, whenever, <laughs> he, you know, the Elder Cross comes in and is talking about the, the veal and why, how his son should be thankful for it, is his older brother, Brian Doyle Murphy. So, Oh, I didn't realize that was his brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, I, and, that means he played with him in Caddyshack. I didn't even realize that. He also, and I think it's funny, his brother is also a major staple in another ho uh, holiday classic. Brian Doyle Murphy is the the shitty is the Ebenezer Scrooge of a Christmas vacation, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but we get all these scenes setting him up how shitty of a person he is, and he really is. He's really bad. But it's funny just how terrible he he is as a person. I mean, because. Bill Murray's got that weird charisma about him, even when he's playing an ass. Like, I mean, which he pretty much plays in everything, honestly, because yeah. he's kind of a smug, smarmy asshole. Like he, uh, he plays, um, he, he just, I don't know. He's got that charisma to him. It's like, okay, I hate you, but you know, you're at least funny about it. So, yeah. you know, but we get all that set up and then like he gets the visit by his former uh, boss, uh, Hayworth or Hayward. And like, it's funny because, um, uh, to me, I I love the fact that they they went s so far out in the in the horror movie makeup like for this character because you know we discussed like Jacob Marley's like appears in different ways. They made this guy like a legit walking corpse. Oh like, yeah, his 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 body's like dry, desiccated. Like his eyes are missing. Like whenever he takes out the. Uh, the, takes off his sunglasses. He uh, there's like actually a rat or something that pops a golf ball out of Ugh. his eyeball where it should have been at. Yeah, oh, it was the back of his <laughs> head, I think. Yeah, that's what it was. And there's a scene where 
whenever he's holding Frank over top of the, um, uh, you know, like the, the, you know, holding him outside the window, uh, getting ready to drop him. Like there's parts of his arm that are like tearing away in huge, like, you know, like dry, dry chunks, know, chunks. And it's just, it really plays the element up. I mean, big time as far as, and then the, of course they have to add the humor back in where he gets like shot by Frank several times. And he does that old standby where he takes a drink, you know, and, and <laughs> the, the, the booze is like coming out. Of oh all yeah. Turns that was funny. A sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like that scene as far as setting it up. And then he, you know, and he basically, but, and I didn't realize this until I was reading some of the trivia about the movie. It plays back into the original, uh, Scrooge or Christmas Carol tale because where Scrooge is, you know, meeting with Marley and he, you know, that whole thing about you're more gravy than grave. Bill Murray <sighs> ad libbed a line that's similar to that. He's like, man, that must have been some bad clams I ate. You know, oh, yeah. so he goes, he throws in the whole fact that it's food poisoning is the reason he's seeing all this. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but we get that set up and then he tells him that he'll be visited by the three ghosts. And then that's whenever um, Frank's current boss is uh, having him meet with uh, Bryce, or uh, you know, at the, at the restaurant the next day to kind of, or you know, around that time to kind of discuss the fact that. Well, no, before that, I have to say he does call Claire. That kind of sets up his love interest. As he, he, a spirit called Claire, didn't it? Yeah. Oh well, they they called it, and then he picked up the phone and, yeah. and said something to her. That's right. Yeah. Uh, which I think was that a hint that like Hayward was still trying to work behind the scenes to get him back with his original love or something. That's kind of what they hinted, but they didn't, you know, it's not really said who was dialing the phone for him or whatever at that time. Well, she's an important role because for Scrooge, Belle um, was, was what was keeping him, you know, warm hearted. And once she was out of his life, he completely went Scrooge. Not that too, but it it comes up as a metaphor too, that, you know, just because, Something didn't work out doesn't mean it can't work out. It's it's the the thing is like, don't be afraid to go back and retry. The kind of oh, the overarching the idea of uh, of Scrooge itself is that, but but like you get little subtle hints like that that like hey, you know this can still be can, you can still have this too. Yeah, which they don't really like the older the other versions of of a Christmas Carol don't really work in because I mean at this point Belle has moved on she's got a family of her own and Ebenezer just got to live with the fact that he fucked that over you know like well a lot and, of it too did. is a discru- the Ebenezer is always on the verge of dying and like with 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 his role in this one he's a lot younger there's still time to recover yeah yeah and to make right. a life for yourself that's not built on just making money. Which I think makes more sense because, of course, a dying person is going to want to right their wrongs. Hopefully. You know, but a younger person <laughs> is more likely to be like, nah, fuck this. I'm good with how I'm doing things. Yeah. So I think it was kind of, I don't know, it was, it was a nice contrast. It Yeah, it does. I mean, it does set up a lot of different possibilities as far as like how he could view it or how he could take it, you know, because of his, he's still, I mean, he's still technically in the prime of his life at the point that, you know, all this is going on, even if it is you know, he's in his forties or, you know, whatever at the time that it's happening. Um, but he, he goes and he has the, uh, the, the dinner with, uh, with Bryce and his boss. And then he starts seeing the weird, like around the time that the, that he's supposed to meet the ghost of Christmas past or whatever. He starts having these weird, like things happen, like the eyeball appears in his dream. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he start he sees the, the one waiter that's on fire and, you know, he's just kind of looking around like, is nobody fucking seeing this besides me? Well, that's the best uh, part is his job's kind of at jeopardy. So he's supposed to be holding his shit together at the same time 
He's falling apart in real time at the guy that could potentially take his job. Yeah, and his yeah. boss even says, don't come apart on me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what happens. That. And Frank, at this moment in time, is wanting to exactly the, what you're saying. He's wanting to be so put together that Bryce is just sent packing back to California. Like, he doesn't need him there to, to do, you know, to do anything. But he starts freaking out so bad that it goes the other way. Well, I mean, there's obviously uh, other stuff going on, but it looks like he's just fucking... Freaking out over this. Well, he is kind of freaking out about the exec, but that's not the forefront of what's going on. Um, I didn't know this, but in the trivia, it says that whenever he falls as he's leaving the place where he's so freaked out and he starts to leave and he trips and falls, that was that was not meant to happen either. Yeah, I, called I said it, that. No, I said that. You said, man, he nailed that. I was like, I no, think... no, no. I said he fell so good. I wonder if that was real. And I said, it yeah. looks real. Like, they just left it in. Yeah, because like, <laughs> it was yeah, too like good. Like, like that actor's response, who was the waiter, who was just like almost like, oh my God, like shocked that he fell like that. That like that was a legit reaction because they didn't expect him to fall. <laughs> that worked so good with the scene. <laughs> and I I was thinking to I was like, there's no way that that was like that was acted because I mean, I guess you can have people who fall professionally, but that was like that was too good. That was yeah, because well, he has those slick loafers on. Yeah, and he tripped on the stair, and then the upper area, you know, the main well, platform, and he, he could have hurt himself. Well, the funny thing is, he tripped on the water that he threw. Yes, yes, and and that was the what really happened in real life. It was slick from the fact that he just threw the water, and he, he <laughs> fell on the water. I'm so glad you answered that question because I was like, wow, that was a really good fall. Um. So if I remember right, this is the part, I mean, just, you know, going back and thinking through it, I think when he leaves there and he tries to hail a cab is whenever he meets the first ghost. Yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he, he plows into the other cab and knocks it oh, out yeah. of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, uh, my favorite part is like him driving the, through there and he's like, get off the road or something. Like he's yelling at the other people. It's like he's <laughs> driving like a crazy person, you know, back into the past. Not like that. He's just puffing down the cigar. He robs the alcohol from Bobcat Goldworth. <laughs> yeah he grabs that because bobcats like i think at this point i don't remember if he's there was one time where he's got the drink in the bag and then there's like a cab that runs by which could be the same cab no no it was a different one it splashes him and it rips the bag but, and it yeah, falls and out it falls and it breaks open but then like the, then he's got another one here and he's trying to trying to enjoy it in peace and that's when the cabbie grabs it or whatever it starts <laughs> god um and it's got a little bit of the Back to the Future stuff because I think they even go back to 1955. I don't know if that was like I didn't see anything saying they were trying to mimic that, but you know, I guess it's just it, it was a 1955 is just I guess a good you know a year to, if you're going to have if you're in the 80s, it was a good you know like number or whatever to kind of go back to or something. What well, was not a good year for Cross? <laughs> no, it was not. not by any means. You got the mom uh, fucking pregnant and smoking. That was classy, classic. <laughs> Back in the day. Not doing shit at her stay at home, fucking makeup done, curlers still in her hair, you, not fucking. You gotta remember, that used to be a, a tip, a life hack that women passed each other. If you did not want to have a really bad pregnancy, you smoked so that that baby was small when it came out. I mean, <laughs> makes sense. Considering our children were fucking so huge, I could have died during childbirth. <laughs> Pro tip, if you smoke a pack a day, the child will be way more lighter. <laughs> oh my god but uh i i love the fact that brian doyle murphy comes in there with that veil and he throws it down and, and then like even frank is like trying to like you know he's like well you know as an ungrateful kid that you know how much that veil goes yeah <laughs> niagara falls five pounds niagara of veal falls. niagara falls frankie you know <laughs> 
I'm just crying over the market value of the veal. <laughs> you know what it's like to get that as a young kid? <laughs> Which, did they prove that he changed his name at one point in time? Because they call him Frankie Angelo or Frankie Angel or something like that. It's one of they call, or was that just her nickname for him? I, I don't, don't know. No, because his name was Francis, wasn't it? His name was Francis. It, it was, but when it, it was like, she's like, Merry Christmas, Frankie, Angelo, or something like that's what she said. She don't say cross, and then he's like, Merry Christmas, Mama. Well, that you could know, have been his middle back. name. No, Frankie Angel. Frankie Angel, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, like you're, an, oh, baby angel type of, you're just. Okay. It's just a. I didn't know Mom bullshit. Like. Yeah. Because you know a lot of times when they get like in the, in, in you know, the industries like that they change their last name because it sounds more especially like cross like that's a firm you know like you know uh, there, there's like a there's like just a dominant sound of that versus his like last name was cross yeah oh that's why it was on the the thing over the bike yes oh i yeah. just i just realized that right now yes that's well i mean i i put that together but i mean because <laughs> yeah what i was at cross. first i was like why would they have a, a definition of a cross <laughs> but then i was like oh well his name is cross and he definitely would nail a person to a cross, it seems like. Well, and it also shows his vanity because, I mean, it's the name he chose and, like, he wants that to be highlighted when you walk in and see him and, you know, it kind of puts his his name out there. It's more like, an, you know, one of those big, you know, bold moves that they were all about when they're in the corporate, you know, 80s or whatever. It's like, you've got to be the one that's like the alpha top dog type bullshit. Well, know? the mom and dad's last name was Cross, um, according okay. to the cast, and the brother's last his name's James Cross. So, okay. Cross there was really go. his name. So, yeah, she was just saying, I mean, shit, I Frankie call my son Angel. Booger. So, you know, <laughs> we like to give our kids adorable little names. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it goes from that scene to, uh, I believe it's the time when he meets Claire. And he gets the nickname uh, Lumpy or whatever. Oh, yeah. Point. That made sense because she called him Lumpy when she saw him, um, you know, whatever, like when he was having... Mm, kind of, he was just going crazy at some kind of filming or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, why is she calling him Lumpy? And then it goes into the past of when she oh, met yeah, him, and she gave him the there's lumps. That, there's that transitional scene where she shows up the next day while he's at the filming of the, um, uh, you know, of the live action rehearsal. Yes. And she shows up and she's like, "Hey, Lumpy." And then like he comes over there, and I don't remember. Is that the scene? I believe it is. I love this scene where. Like they come over and the guy, the prop guy's like, I can't get these because uh, they have to work the mice in there for the cat. Antlers. Yes. And he's like, I can't get these, uh, you know, antlers to stick. I've tried everything. And he's like, Have you tried staples? And she's like, Lumpy, no. Yeah. And even super glue would have been terrible for that poor mouse. Oh, yeah. Yes. But staples, I mean, it's like, okay, which one's worse, you know? <laughs> And I almost feel like that was a, a, a ad lib by him. I mean, I can just see Bill Murray like he tried staples. Like that just that seems like the kind of thing he would say in that moment. <laughs> oh yeah, because then he follows it right up with yelling at the kid too. <laughs> but um, so it goes back and it shows why she calls him Lumpy because she opens up the door right around the same time that he's trying to come in. Well, first of all, it goes back to the Christmas party. I forgot about that. He's at the Christmas party that his boss is throwing and his boss. And it, this is his version of a uh, fezzy wig. He's like, his boss is like, enjoy the holiday. You're working too hard. Yeah. And, and so, and then there's that one, uh, the bimbo of the office. Oh yeah. Like, Tanning you know, her making, ass. Yeah. She's making copies of her ass for everybody. And, uh, Frank's like, Oh my God, I was insane. Why didn't I get with her? And <laughs> like the, the ghost is like, not that one. Frankie, not, not that, that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And so, you know, he meets Claire and then like he, you can tell he instantly has a connection with her. Uh, it's just one of those things like they, I mean, they don't, it's funny because they don't have anything in common, but they're, he, he's attracted to her for some reason. I guess it's cause she's so free and easygoing and like, he's just so uptight about everything. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah um, she's a hippie chick. He's freaking out about eating Chinese food. And she's like, do you want Chinese food? And he's like appalled for a second. It, well, not that, but then it makes the cat noise. Meow. <laughs> Well, and there's a line that he says, and and I feel like they've cut this out of the version that I watched, or I just missed it, like blinking, you miss it type thing. He says, you know, they make cat, or that you know, they make that out of cats or something. Oh yeah, he tells the girl because the girl in the office is like, we should get Chinese food, and he's like, oh, I heard they make, they're using cats or something like that. Yeah, oh my God. he tells the girl in the office, and then like a, a scene later, he he he, he, he meets Claire, she proposes it to him, and he's just like, okay. <laughs> I did not catch the cat sound. Yeah, like um, it, well, because right after she says that, it cuts to the to the taxi, and then it makes the cat noise. Meow. Oh my god! Yeah. And then of course, yeah, well, the funny love- thing about that that was true back in the day. It well, and it could still be true for all uh, we know. I, I I don't know. Maybe but, not so much in America, but definitely. Well, back in the day yeah, in America, it, they were doing it. Y- well, yeah. yeah well, no, well. I am aware. <laughs> I'm fully aware. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't have the same hangups about uh, animals as we do. They're farther along in the apocalypse scale, if you've ever seen <laughs> oh. Like, you know, which of these animals, uh, you know, it's like, depend upon what, ver- uh, you know, how close you are to the apocalypse, would you be willing to eat? They're they're way over on the other there, side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at a cat, though, and like, there's not much going on there. Like, Well, it's about like squirrels. I mean, you know, people around here eat squirrels, and there's not much meat to yeah, those but, either. Yeah, but a squirrel's not going to claw your face off. <laughs> cat, well, you, cat, get, you catch a cat at the right time it won't get a chance to claw your face cat, off the thing with the cat they're predatory animals that's still. true yeah like you can go from petting a cat and the fucker will turn around and bite you with un- a no provocation like what were we doing yeah. like what are we like doing this like when Pepe threatened my life last yeah. night like, <laughs> is this what we're doing it's like it's because they, they've not been fully domesticated. Or if you go the other route, they domesticated us to the point where we accepted them. Yes. Allowed them to remain <laughs> in the houses. And then they were just like, fuck it. You're, you, we've got you now. We don't need to do anything else. Well, I think cats <laughs> did serve a good purpose back in the day for rodent control. I mean, Australia oh, yeah. well, Australia learned the hard way. They imported a ton of cats to control the rodent population. And now they pay people to go shoot cats in Australia. Oh, That's still God. to this day a thing. God damn! They, they brought them over. They brought them over to America for that same reason too. I mean, it was a it was the easiest way to you know save your crops from like rats. Yes, you know, bunch of farm um, cats. Farm cats, man. Yeah, working and, cats. And those, there we go. And and those guys, I mean, those kind of cats, I mean, they're they're tough. Like, I mean, some of those get massive. Like, not just like fat, but I mean, like they're they're huge. And okay, muscle bound. You a, know, Daphne's cat, fluff. <laughs> or Puff, I mean, <laughs> Puff does not look dangerous at all. Yeah, have you ever seen that video of that lady pissing off like the the cat fighting like, the cat basically or being know, mean to it? Yeah, so like she's going to take the trash out and the cat's like by the by like outside meowing and stuff on the trash cans like that. So she's getting mad at it, throwing and, like, snow at it, yeah, and, and doing stuff to it and like getting pissed. And the, you can see the cat like snarl up a little bit. And she's like yelling at it, and all of a sudden the cat just lunges at her face and starts. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the snow too, and like I, I thought she, I, people got the idea that cats are these things that are nice and friendly. It's like no, they're like a mini version of a mountain lion. <laughs> like what are you doing? Don't fuck with cats. I will go yeah, I, to that I, mountain I, lion and I will pet it and I will put a scarf on it and I will take it home and tell everyone I just adopted it. Oh my god, <laughs> as it's eating your what? face. 
and I've, I've seen several TikTok videos that are the same thing. It's like this person who's, you know, obviously a cat lover is sitting there and they say something that's just slightly less than, you know, uh, civil to their cat. The cat sits there for a half second. Oh, yeah. Gives them look like you fucked up and then jumps on their face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or flip, flip off the cat and the cat just attacks the finger. Oh, man. Oh, dude, there's a funniest, uh, Story of a cat clawing my leg, but uh, that's a side. Oh note. yeah, Let, yeah. Let's move on. So we, uh, this is a good scene in the movie. We we have the ghost, like you know, go with him to whenever Frank and Claire moved in together, and they're sharing their first Christmas together, or well, or where well, one of the main ones that, that that's you know been celebrated, and like Claire's in the tub, you know, smoking the joint or whatever, and like with I a fucking the with one of those sophisticated the... smoking wands. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, she's not. I thought she had like a smoking wand or no, something. She's got no, like tweezers. Tweezers, there we go. It's okay. a roach clip. Okay, I, yeah. You yeah. don't want to burn your fingers when oh you're smoking God. a joint. And she and she's sitting there, and I just love the fact that the ghost is sitting there, and he's like ogling her. Oh, yeah. Like, Frank's <laughs> like, hey, hey, move away. Look move the away. other way. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, they share their gifts together. And, he, and of course, it, it, perfect showing how Frank is, he gets her Ginzu knives. Yeah. The most corporate by the numbers, like gift, you could have got somebody back in that time period, you know, and, and he, he's like trying to sell it to the ghost. He's like, they were good knives. Like, I mean, they like, were yeah, good knives. Oh no, they cut cans. I know. I know. He's like, you can cut cans <laughs> as easily as you cut a tomato. Uh, he did also mention that he's never liked a woman enough to give her a set of knives. And that is some trust right there. I don't ever think my husband, Oh, wait, that he did get me one that nice knife. True. You know you know what though? But if they, you, you, the thing is we don't know enough about Claire. She could have been into cooking. True. She's a hippie she chick. Hippie chick. Could've she she could have been into cooking. Maybe he's just thinking. I, I don't know. Maybe just... she cuts up cats and makes Chinese food. We don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it did make sense that it was definitely one of those corporate things. And you could tell she was like, nah. Like she wasn't she didn't hate the gift. She's a good person. But like it was like It oh. wasn't something that she felt like was from the heart. It's like, okay. Yeah, and she got him a fucking book. A very specific <laughs> book. Yeah, a sexy time About book. Tantric sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I, don't I don't think it was tantric. It was uh, the Kama Sutra. It's all oh, it's sexual. The Kama Sutra. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And and he's. And I just love the fact there was another ad lib by him. Had to have been. I did that. Did yes. That. <laughs> I, I have a buddy who said he did that one. You know. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, and so they go from that, and they go back, and then it like skips forward. You can tell Frank wants to stay in that moment. It's yeah. obviously a good point in his life, but he gets ripped forward to a bad time in his life where he turns on Claire. And that's during whenever he's at the Frisbee the Dog Show. Well, oh you, my God. you can see it immediately because immediately as soon as they're on the scene, he realizes where they're at. He's like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's yeah. on his face. And then you got the ghost. Is like, you know, he's like, it's a bone. Yeah. It's a bone, you <laughs> stupid dog. <laughs> and, uh, and you have that horrible scene where Frank, you know, becomes the Frank that he's going to, you know, that he eventually becomes. Like whenever his boss comes up and... And I understand it to a degree. I mean, like, the guy came from nothing. His boss's offer is obviously likes him, and he, he's offering him, like, a leg up. He's like, come join me, you know, you and your, your lady, you know. And, and, of course, he's going to be there with his young girlfriend, not his wife. She's out of town, his boss is. So, <laughs> and whenever Frank brings it up to Claire, she's like, oh, we got this, you know, thing with, you know, our friends, you know. And, and he's just like, well, they can wait, you know, this. And I... I mean, I'm I'm torn in that moment because he has a point. Like, I, I mean, I didn't think he I, was I in the wrong. I didn't all. think he was either. I, no, 
This could change their lives. They could have postponed that dinner date that they had with their friends just long enough for him to be able to get that one little thing in, and that would have solved the whole problem. Well, the thing is, I don't think he turned around and reached out to her afterwards. And I think that's what the point they were making is like the choice was made, and he didn't try to correct it afterwards. I think he just let it go. Oh, yeah, he did because he's like, I'll try to see you later if I can. And then he just never saw her. Which that goes back to the original story because this was in the 1984 George C. Scott version. There's a moment where Belle comes up to Ebenezer. She realizes what he's becoming with his, like, you know, he, he's getting all about the money and that sort of thing. And she gives him the option. She's like, I, I release you, Ebenezer. I, you know, this, oh, yeah. you know, just like Claire does. And Ebenezer, and he looks at the ghost and he's, you know, that, that's with him at the time, the ghost Christmas past. And he's like, you know, he said, there was a moment where I thought about going after her. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you can tell that that was, that was his problem at that point. He should, he could have won her back. He could have done whatever, but he was the one that made the choice to let it go. Which is and weird. Then, I found it weird. Cause I was like, did they not live with each other? I get, got the impression they were living with each other, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have been a situation where when she broke up with him, like at, at the point where, I mean, he, they might've like, she might've just went with, you know, friends or something. She, she was that type that she would have just probably just moved in with a buddy or something yeah. for like a short period of time. So, um, but then like he goes back and he does the, the show or whatever. And then the ghost leaves him, you know, mockingly at that, you know, like he's in the camera and oh, he's yeah. like, bye Frankie. And he drives off. Well, no, it starts and, out. He's like, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know where <laughs> I am. He's like, bye bye Frankie. He's like, where am I? that's a good point i love that line where he's like where am i and the transition was Um, really really cool because he was watching the tv and it goes to the filming of you know or the well not so much the filming because it was supposed to be live action it it went to the point where they were rehearsing yeah yeah Yeah. and he's watching the tv dailies or something yeah what they call that where you know they're recording it and and he starts and and he starts off on this big rant, which makes him look even worse because I think this is the point where Bryce is starting to take over. No, no, but you, getting, you you missed a big part of it he, when he goes back to his current time. It's exactly at the point that he just got out of, where 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 the girl was telling Ebenezer like, "Hey, you're I can't be with you anymore. You're becoming oh uh, yeah." It, it felt and then it, that's when he blows up. He blows up. The girl is like yeah. Because because he took it personal, so he turns around and blows up at the girl. Like yeah, he blows up at the actors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he starts crying. And he's like, "You never loved me." <laughs> he goes into all that stuff. He's like, "You you claimed that you were there for me, Claire, but you weren't." <laughs> oh my god. And then Bryce is like, okay, buddy, okay, let's close it down on the set, you know, lunch, everybody. And he's like, uh, you don't get to do that. I get to do that. And he's like, he looks at him. He's like, would you want me to call everybody back? Hey, everybody come back. Frank wants to say something to you. And he just gives him a look like, fuck you, dude. He's I'm going to talk to you. He's like, cool. I'm going to go talk to the boss really quick. And just leaves. <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, they, they leave him there. And then that's when he pretty much gets, all the lights start going out and he gets visited by the, uh, sadistic, very sadistic, uh, ghost of Christmas present <laughs> played by Carol Kane. And she just loves beating the shit out of him, like left and right. That looked like a fun role. Um, she actually heard him. Like there's a scene where oh. she grabs him by the lip in the movie. Oh yeah. They said she grabbed him so hard. She tore his lip and they said they had to stop filming for several days. Until wow. <laughs> and they also said that Carol Kane hated filming those scenes because she really liked working with Bill Murray and she felt bad every time she had to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this thing called acting where you can act 
looked like you hit somebody. No, but, but apparently she was really hitting him in some of those scenes. Oh, my like, God. Legit. <laughs> um, which sold the, I mean, you could tell, like, in some of those scenes, like, when he gets hit, like, the look on his face, yeah. he sells it. So I think she really hit him. Maybe not as hard as it yeah. looks. But... I wonder if he gave consent. He's just like, just have at it. <laughs> um. Well, some people pay extra for that sort of thing. Yeah, (laughs) and he's getting paid. Uh, So, like, and she takes him, obviously, just like in the story, to see the different, like, people that he's fucked over, you know, currently. uh, Starting out, I believe, with a young boy or whatever of of his assistant. And, um, you know, basically talking about how he witnessed his dad die. It doesn't really say, did you all get the vibe that his dad was, like, murdered or something? Or does does it say that? Like, I don't. Like, I got the vibe that his dad was, like, killed, like, you know, and he saw it. Like, you know, like, he was murdered or something. Well, you got to keep in mind, too, this, if it's New York in the 80s, crime was horrible. And they lived in a bad part of town. Yeah, Yeah. they did. So they lived at, like, the worst time to be living in New York before they, before Giuliani came in and turned the entire city around. So they were living through some of the worst time in that era. Um, and, and I didn't and, catch any of that, so I I, I I apparently missed the part where it talks about him seeing his dad die. I did not know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she mentions that, you know, to him because he, he asks, he's like, you know, what what's wrong with this kid, you know, and like, and it says that, and, and if things, and then she throws that in there like Tiny Tim, you know, if like, things don't change, you know, th- this could be uh, something that becomes permanent for him, which opposed to Tiny Tim who just outright dies yeah. in the story, original story. <laughs> Uh, this kid, you know, later on we see him in a, uh, like a mental institution. Like he, he just, it, like he never comes out of his shell basically. And, um, we see Grace, like she's basically got like an extended family that's with her. And like, she's trying to, you know, help, you know, raise all these kids without, you know, a, a you know, a father for any of them. And, and yeah, were they her kids? A, were they, I didn't like, you know, I think they were, they, they yeah, they, I think most of them were. There might have been like that a was niece her or son, head, and know? one of them was a daughter. So he had she had at least two boys and a daughter. Yeah, and I I'm like, holy shit, was. woman! Like you, this bro, can you like quit having kids? Yeah, but her <laughs> husband died. He might have been working. Nah, that's true. Oh yeah, and there, and there was that there was that whole scene. I forgot about that. That's great. That shows how shitty Frank is again. Where. Uh, and, and, and he's like, when did Grace's, you know, husband die? And then she's like, and then the ghost looks at him. She's like, Frank, she wore black for like a, like oh, eight, yeah. seven months to a year. And he's like, I thought that was just a fad. Yeah. I was really into it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's also the same, it's the, the same scene too, where she's, she's washing her hair and she has the towel on yes. that, that he gave her as the Christmas bonus. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, she's like, cause the, the daughter runs up. It's like, where's the Christmas bonus? And she just points to the towel. Like I'm wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> And then I believe the next scene that it shows is where it's the Christmas party that his brother's throwing. Oh yes, and his other real life brothers there as a guest, and there and it's and this just like in the original story too because he sees his nephew uh, in that uh, doing you know ha- having a party and you know hearing some of the people make snide comments about himself because he's obviously a shit person and of course his his relative his brother in this nephew in the original is the only one who stands up for him. And, um, they're, and just like in the original where they're kind of doing like this little, uh, you know, party, like guessing game, like in the 1984 version, which I think is pretty close to the, the book, it's more like, okay, I, you know, uh, smart as a, and you have to guess whip is like the, you know, like the, the idiom or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like in this one, it's more like movie trivia, which fits into Frank's whole thing because that's all he ever did. As a yeah. TV. Like that's all he did. That makes sense. 
and um well th- and th- so, it's like, funny you say that because in when they're doing the the christmas past one and they're leaving the house He's like, there was that one time I was running down a mountainside. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, that was Little House on the Prairie, the homecoming. <laughs> and, like every, and then he gave another example. It's like, no, that was this. That was this person. Like everything he was giving examples of was somebody else's life or somebody else or a movie. Because that, that's all he knew. And that's the reason he became a good corporate, you know, TV exec because he knows TV. But, you know, it also shows how he's basically not lived his life either. You know? Yeah. Um, but then they get to the scene about Gilligan or whatever. And, uh, he's like, who was the, who was the, you know, or what ship did they, they sail on? And like, you know, and he's screaming at him, you know, it's like, that's a minnow, you know? And, um, I didn't know this, but apparently Richard Donner worked on uh, Gilligan's Island. Oh my so God. that's the reason they threw that in there. Which was I was like a nod to him. I was kind of surprised they didn't have the charade where it was like, oh, he, uh, it's a person that is an asshole and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, your Uncle Scrooge, you know, or your brother Scrooge. And well, obviously it would be and, cross, but. And, that, and that's how they do in the original story because, or at least the 1984 version, they're like whenever the nephew's uh, fiance is is guessing hers, it's like tied as a drum is supposed to be the answer. And she's like tied as Ebenezer Scrooge. And everybody yes. like laughs because he's such a, you know. Yeah, the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol one, they're, they're trying to describe a pig. Oh, and, yeah. And they, end up, and, and they end up saying his uh, Uncle Scrooge. Or um, uh, Ebenezer. Yeah, well, I think I thought they said Uncle Scrooge, but yeah, tomato potato. Um, and then we go from that scene to and you know seeing his brother basically you know wishing that he was there at the party and celebrating to seeing uh, the one of the hobos, which we need to go back to shortly. There was an interlude where Frank's really disturbed after the crisp after after the first goes, and he goes visits Claire at the uh, shelter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there's a lot of good interactions with Bill Murray and those, you know, like ladies or whatever, you know, as far as like him just giving them shit, you know, that's over the clinic. He's like, what, what do you pay these people? You pay them too much. And she's like, they're volunteers. He's like, well, that's your problem. Get them, cut them out. Yeah. You know? Fire them. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, fire them. He's like, and then he has that line to her, which they reverberate later in the movie. It's like, you know, you, you got to cut them out of your life, Claire, you know, it's scrape like them off your foot, scrape them off. Yeah. Uh, and there's the scene where he's talking to the bums, which yeah. had that great, that one late old lady who was in the Goonies. Like she was in all those movies back in the day, like throw mama from the train, yeah. the Goonies. Um, and, and she's sitting there, she's like, tell us what are those ones for the movie there, Rick or Dick? And you know, like, and, and they think he's like this character actor, or this famous, like, you know, actor named Richard Burton, which I didn't realize was like, actually it, Bill Murray did like a sketch on Saturday Night Live that he was famous for prior to this where he played Richard Burton, and so that's the reason they put that in the movie. Oh, that's my God. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then w- one of the bums across from him, you know, is, is like congratulates him on such doing such a good job, and that's the one that he meets in like the current time or whatever that's like, you know, basically dying underneath, you know, wherever he's at, you know, and, and, and there's nobody around to help save him. And um, it... I thought it was funny because this scene reminded me a lot of another movie that Bill Murray did later called Groundhog Day, uh, where he's trying to save the old bum in that one, oh, and yeah. the guy keeps like dying of a heart attack <laughs> tonight or whatever, and he can't save him. And it was just funny that they kind of—I don't know if they—if they—if you know uh, Harold Ramis intentionally ripped that scene from Scrooge or not, but it was funny to see the two of them, you know, think of the two like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously they used some of Bill Murray's stuff in this film. From previous, you know, obviously from SNL, so I don't see why that, yeah. Um, but it's 
it, it shows that, like, I mean, he at least cares a little bit, you know, uh, about the, you know, the fate of people. So he's not lost. It's, yeah. It's a good scene for that reason. Because he's, like, he's screaming not... at the bum, like, she would have helped you. You should have stayed. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did you leave? You're such an idiot, you know. Well, um, I, th- I think, too, a lot of it's a metaphor for himself. It, that is true, yes, because he's saying the exact same things that he'd be saying to himself. It's yeah, like you were dumb for leaving. Why did she would have saved you? That's well, why exa- didn't you I go didn't back? Even think about that. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, like why didn't that? That's what when I was watching that. That's all I could think of. It's like he's just talking. He's basically talking to himself at that point. Well, yeah, because the guy was dad. So who yeah. was he really going to talk well, to? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so it's like, why didn't you go back? Why didn't you go back? You should have went back. Yeah. And and I like it because it works for the same, you know, it does work for that reason. I didn't even think about that, but it also works for the reason I thought it was in there was that, you know, it shows that he, he's got the humanity there still left. It's, it's small, it's very small, but he's got it. You know, he still cares at least about somebody that, you know, that's not himself, you know, or, or, you know, or immediately next to him. I mean, he, he still cares about Claire. You can tell he does whenever he sees her, but he really doesn't care about anybody else. Even his brother, he's kind of like put at a distance, you know, um, but then the the ghost kind of leaves him there, and then like he wakes up, and I can't remember how does he wake up from this one. Because no, he no. busts through the door. Yeah, he's always locked down there. He's trying oh, to get yeah. out. Yeah, That's and he right. busts through the door, and it puts him back in the studio where he's freaking out again. <laughs> and yet again, proves uh, I think this. There's one of the scenes in, w- in one of these where um, he's. He, he he watches some. I thought, well, no, that was the, the one I'm thinking of is the sensor where she gets hit by the the carpenter's board. That was pretty funny. He's yeah, like, you know, and he that was um, when he first saw uh, Claire again. Right, that was that scene. Um, do you remember what happens in this one when he busts in there? Yeah, he, I, it's the you got that exec guy that's trying to step in, that's trying to keep him nice and calm, um, because okay. he's rambling again. And then even um, oh god, what's his assistant Grace? Yes. Is that her name? She gets involved and he's like, Grace, why don't you get him upstairs and, you know, get him calm, get him a drink or something like that and go make some calls, oh, yeah. you know, basically letting him know, yeah, you know, go, go that do some true. business. And then because she, she goes to send him upstairs and while he's in the elevator, he runs across the guy who's really the actor for the ghost of, uh, you know, Christmas future. Yes. But, the, but, and he makes some comment at him, but then like he meets the real one in the elevator. Yes. Which, which is right funny. Which he, has, he ends up having a meltdown in front of the other guy. Yeah. So the elevator opens, and then he sees it, and he thinks, oh, this is the, the like, Just take me. Out. Just that's, get that's it over right. with. Yeah. And, he, like, and he punches Grace, too, by accident in the face. And I'm like, I wonder if that was an accident or if that was like, you know. He, I think I read that that was a real thing. Like, he elbowed her by accident. Yeah. And then insane. they just kept rolling with it. <laughs> she looked pissed. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> like, he just moves on. He doesn't, like, I mean, obviously, you're, you're filming, so you just want to keep rolling with it. And everything. Uh, it's acting. I mean, roll with it. But yeah, this takes him. He goes up in the elevator, and I don't know what he's doing that's up in his office. Getting hammered. He, well, no, yeah. Yeah, he's getting drunk, and that's when Elliot comes back with a shotgun at that point. Oh, yes, that's yes, yes. Happens. But doesn't. Okay, wait, wait. Does that happen. Oh, it does happen first before the fucking. It first. He gets in the elevator, then he sees all the stuff, and then he comes back, and then he starts. He puts a big kiss on Elliot's face, and Elliot's like, what the fuck just happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I like Bobcat in this scene when he's going around and he's, he's you know, he's, he's chant. I don't remember the chant, but it's like this little children's rhyme or something as he's going around, like, just, he would shoot and then, like, he would, like, all the, the shells out and then he would, like, pop them out and just casually reload them in, you know, and start shooting again. Um, 
and then uh then of course frank gets in the elevator he see and he sees the real ghost this time and oh, this yes. time he's like blase about it he's like oh yeah you again or whatever and but then the he opens up the the ghost like you know like shroud and it's like those damned souls are like caught beneath or whatever yes he's like do you mind he was all polite about it and he looks and he just closed it and he's like uh studio do this <laughs> <laughs> which is is funny because i just saw that and i and i and i thought you know like it was some kind of play on i don't know things at the time like we talked about that nightmare on elm street episode yes where he's got the children inside of his chest or whatever that he's yes. got but it actually ties back to the original story because in the george c scott version the ghost opens up its shroud and there's like these two children there oh, that look yeah. like they're near death. And he's like, the, you know, and or no, it's not the ghost of future. It's the ghost of present does that underneath like his long, like Christmas robes. And he's like, these are the, the, the children of, of all humanity. It's greed and want. And yeah. like, he's like, these are, you know, what you have created. This is your legacy that you're leaving behind. So I don't know if that was a play on that to kind of show that Frank was even worse. Like his were like shriveled up to almost nothing. And, you know, like, I mean, at least in the George C. Scott version, they looked like kids. These looked like, you know, just like almost fetuses or something. They were so. They were, like, yeah, small. they were creepy looking. Um, ignorance and want, I believe, was the name of the Yeah, kids. that's what ignorance and want. Yes. Holy crap. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. Actually, I didn't even think about that because there was like three. um things in the chest of this one at least i counted three there might i don't know if there was more um versus the two that were you know in the the most recent christmas carol animated one and um of course he's shown just like in the original story he's shown like these scenes from like the future that could happen if he doesn't change uh there's a quick scene of grace's child who's locked in the sanitarium and, and mm-hmm. she's you know distraught just you know because she, she can't do anything with him and uh, you see a scene where Grace has taken his advice wholeheartedly. She's married to some rich guy now with some, a bunch of rich friends. Oh, Claire, where, you mean? Quote, well, what's that? Claire? You Claire, said Grace. Yeah, okay. Claire, sorry. And she's like, she's married to some rich guy, you can tell. And like, you know, I don't like if you can call them friends. Like, I feel like people who get like ultra rich, they're not really friends. They're just kind of like, you know, they, they appreciate other people with money. Other socialites. With. Yeah. And she's just kind of there, and she's like, you know, and she quotes again the line. She's like, scrape them off, Claire. Just scrape them right off. Yeah. And then she's like, and then she has that scene where she's like, thanks a lot, Lumpy. And you can kind of tell that she regrets taking his advice at that point. Um, and then you have the classic scene where he sees his own death. But in this one, it's a lot more pronounced than any version I've seen because he actually rides in the casket. Yes. You know, which I... I think in the old versions he gets trapped in the coffin and like he's suffocating to death, but in this one he's burning alive. Yeah. Which I don't know. I mean, what did you think about that, Noah? Did you think that the change was like you know better or worse having him like actually ride you know into the crematorium or whatever it was? I think it it becomes more tangible at that point because usually when you when you, like you see your grave, you under, the idea of you're going to die is inevitable is there, but when you're sitting in the coffin, it might be a more I think they did a good job. Like this, this part to, I'm not gonna lie, it it tugs at my heartstrings the older I get. When I when I, when you, when you come to the realization that death is the in like the end for everybody, you want to try to get the maximum amount of your life. So when you when I see stuff like this, it it hits hard with me a lot of times. Like I'm not gonna lie, man, my eyes got watery. Oh like, my god, I'm serious. Whoa, like what, the older I get, about- go ahead, man. 
Well, I was just going to say what's worse about the scene is the fact that, I mean, and this is in the older novel, obviously, but he literally has nobody to mourn him except oh, for yeah. his brother. And, and his wife's only there, but, or his, it, well, his brother's wife's only there because she has to be. Yeah. You, know, you tell she doesn't want to be there. Um, and I, I think it's even worse, like in the, or it might be slightly worse in the George C. Scott version because he doesn't realize it's him that's died. You know, he, he sees a body underneath the sheets that's basically his bed. And he, and he, he, he asked the spirit in that version who it is, but then he's like, no, don't tell me. And then, but he's like, is there nobody who mourns this man's passing? And they take him to this, like, basically flop house where the, the poor, you know, are being collected. Cause he, he makes a comment in that version about how the poor houses should take care of the, the poor people. That's what he pays his taxes for. So he shouldn't have to pay any charity on top of it. He's already paying his fair share, which is kind of a funny commentary about taxes and helping the poor anyway. Yeah. But, um, and he sees like these two, like just, uh, you know, uh, homeless people basically fighting over the remains they stole from his body whenever they found out he was dead. And that's literally the only people that cares about him in that moment. Yeah. Like what, literally. I, I, I think the biggest thing too, of, like, I don't know how it is in other countries, but being in America, it's always about, we, we try not to talk about what the end game is. It's just thing we live in a, a illusion of what the end really is. It's 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 to keep you focused on being productive. The problem is that the movie points that out, like, hey, like all this accumulating wealth and being productive, it doesn't really do anything. You're going to end up in the same spot. It it doesn't fix the outcome. So you want to try to actually be good and ha and have as much good experiences as you can. So don't close yourself off just being productive and not really living a life. I think that's what you're supposed to take away from that. That's that's the biggest part. It's like, don't be disillusioned of what the end's going to be. This is the end. I mean, is this what you want to be known as? Is the money driver? Like, that's it? Nothing else. Yeah. In terms of the two different kinds of deaths where, you know, in one, you know, film there, he's suffocating in his coffin and the other he's burning. I mean, both are equally pretty bad. However, I feel like the suffocating would take longer. You're slowly losing oxygen versus the fire is, yeah, it's going to burn you, but it's also going to suck all the oxygen out faster. Yeah, but you're I dead already. It's just it's it's just really driving home the part that like this Well, no, is, in, the, in the movies, though, yeah, they're, they're technically the movie, alive experiencing it. They yeah, think they are. He's experiencing it himself at the time that it's happening. Yeah. In all the versions or whatever. So I, I can't I tell you which one's worse. I probably want to burn, honestly. But, but the I, thing I, the I, thing is just it's pointing out the realization you're going to die. Well, like, yes. We know, we're aware of that. I know, but that's I think you guys are missing the bigger. To me, that's more scary than actually being burned is the fact that you are going to die. Well, yes. Realize well, this and, part uh, of it. The the ultimate thing to me though the going along that's part of it but the ultimate thing is is like it's not only that but it's what what are you leaving behind he's literally with all of his wealth he he's still in the, in the like you said in the box but he has nobody who cares other than his brother that that he was around he is uh, in this version he has destroyed Claire so that's a, his legacy that he's leaving behind yeah and he did nothing to help that you know Grace's son so like he. The things that he leaves behind, I mean, like the wealth, I mean, that that's not serving any purpose. And his legacy has literally been nothing. Like there's no, there, there's no, there's nobody talking about what a good man. I mean, like you would like to think when you leave the earth that, that people, you know, uh, say, well, it's, you know, it's a good thing that, that, that he was here or she was here because, you know, they, they really, you know, they, they were a good person that, you know, they, they live this sort of life and like, you know, uh, Frank in this and, you know, Ebenezer in the, the original, 
they've left nothing for anybody to celebrate. They're, they're basically, their existence was nothing. When In the scheme of humanity, they were a speck, like we all are, and they left no no good, and like their wealth just dries up or you know goes away whenever they're dead anyway. And what the thing, too, with his brother showing up, yeah, his brother shows shows up, but like he never really spent any time with him. Mm-mm. True. Yeah. So his brother just showed up to show up. That's basically... It, it was- it's literally like we were talking about with the the you know the scene in Night of the Living Dead where the the you know the brothers basically why, why are we doing this you know like why are we coming out to do this ritual it's a ritual that's the only reason he's doing it it's not out of you know any kind of I mean there there probably is a little bit with his brother because his brother still cares about him but like but it's it's mostly just a ritual of seeing Frank off because you have to it's kind of like the thing you know yeah it's more begrudging than than actually wanting to do it. And and you can tell that his brother misses the time because I think there's a he says something and then you can there's tears in his eyes where he he wishes that they would have spent more time together before he passed basically. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the image of him, you know, in the coffin or whatever, I only brought it up because I feel like it. it this one sells more the idea of damnation with the fire, you know, or at least the traditional you know sense that most people have of hell, you know, like when it comes to Christianity, uh, versus just like suffocating the coffin. This is like more you know like kind of hinting that Frank has, you know, damned himself, you know, with w- what he's done in that in a roundabout sense. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but, um, of course, you know, he, he, he comes out of that. He's in the elevator. Uh, it comes back. He's He's got the gun pointed right at his nostrils, <laughs> I think, at this point by Elliot. And, like, he, he, he almost pulls, like, a Looney Tunes type thing where he, you know, like, he just pushes the gun to the side and he puts a big, like, you know, wet kiss on Elliot's face, <laughs> kind of like Bugs Bunny would be to, like, Elmer Fudd or something at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he tells him that he needs his help because he, you know, needs to get the message out there, you know, to to everybody that he's changed man and, and all that. So Elliot's the one that goes up to the actual uh television the room where they're monitoring every the, the cameras and he's the one that takes control of that and uh i think t- ties up the sensor lady in the process oh my god <laughs> and and uh or, or no uh, let's no, see. no no he, he ties, no, up, he ties the, up bryce yes he ties up bryce yeah because the sensor lady who's got her nose busted from earlier in the movie with, she's all with, fucked uh, up yeah she she sees the the tinsel or what or the mistletoe later on and like she holds it over Bryce while she you know he's he can't do anything else but like accept her unwanted advance. Doesn't it's like I like I felt like his his lips were taped shut. So I was like, is she just like planting one right on top of his taped yeah. lips? Well, let, she pulls it off later. Yeah, yeah, but, but I but think it, it's fun. It's it, funny because she's the censor. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be about like morals, yeah. and she's the one that's taking advantage <laughs> of somebody who doesn't want her. <laughs> Um, and then of course, Frank has the scene where he interrupts everything, uh, does the traditional thing that Scrooge does in the, in the story where he, you know, he, he has to shout to the, you know, to everyone who, who will hear he's a changed man. He, he wants, you know, to live a better life. He gets, you know, he calls for Claire to come and, you know, be there with him. He, uh, Grace has already got her kids there because, you know, she had to work Christmas because he had to work Christmas Oh yeah, and, uh, or Christmas Eve at least. And, uh, and uh, he and and you know we we basically get the 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 feel good moment of the movie whenever it, it starts playing uh you know put a little love in your heart in, in the background which was already kind of playing in Grace's yes. apartment and whenever she had her scenes and, and 
but it, they really bring it out now. Oh, yeah. It, Which I find they have shouting out to the world how great of a person and how he's changed. I feel like that's the, uh, like, today's equivalent of posting on Facebook, you know? <laughs> it's virtue signal. Yeah, it's, pretty much. It's like, hey, it's like I just gave $40 to a homeless person, and you have to take a selfie. Yeah, you have to take a picture. Like, I just make met a TikTok this man. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the it was pretty funny too to watch his boss have a meltdown. Oh yeah, when they're on live TV, he's like, "What the hell are you doing, Frank?" Get, he's like, "Yeah, them he's, on a, the phone. he's like, why is everybody doing even watching this? They're paying your bills, asshole." <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, why you over watching this? That I love it. Lot. He's like, "They're paying your bill, asshole." It's just him and his like wife, and she's like trying to calm his ass down. Oh, I was laughing that he was drinking beer like that. I thought that was uh, off the beer. Well, not that, but they go to the bar. He gets a highball, which is yeah. a high end drink and all that stuff. Then he's at home. He's all I'll have the beer. And I was, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, or not that, but man. you know what makes me? I was just thinking about that too. So when they're at the restaurant, he has a he has a highball and not that, but then he pulls his own silverware out of his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then at home, he's having a beer. I didn't well, get that because like, I see they removed all the fucking silverware, and I'm like, did did they know he had his own or? I don't know, but maybe. it just makes me wonder if it the whole thing he lit like he's having is just a bullshit persona. Well, that, that's what I was getting ready to say. Maybe it's a commentary about how it was, uh, you know, and that was a big '80s like corporate thing. It was more about what you put out there versus how you actually lived in real life. You yeah. Know? Like maybe it was all, it was his way of saying, I'm too high fluting for, you know, even like the silverware at this fancy restaurant. And then he it's pulls it out and he's cleaning it. Yeah. It's gold. Pla- it's gold plated silverware. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it preserves the flavor better than the silver. Does. Oh my God. That's supposed to be a real thing that they, they say that the people who like test ice cream for like companies, they, they use a, the, like a golden spoon because it, preserves the flavor better than actual silver to i don't know that's just i wonder if that's i wonder if there's even legitimacy to that i can't imagine it it skewing the flavor that much it, they, they claim these people have such great taste buds that do these testing that they they insure <laughs> their own taste buds for like millions of dollars that they you know like wow I'm sitting there I'm they like, can't okay, taste so the mur- mercury in our current <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Silver it's like badass proved to somebody that he he's really good at eating ice cream, and so he he came up with all this bullshit. See, I wish they would give him a, a spoonful with a blindfold on from each spoon <laughs> and see if he can make a difference. Still, yeah, that'd be yeah. If, these if, are the kind of you got to remember. These are the kind of pretentious assholes that like, oh, uh, there's a taste of nutmeg and uh, you know cinnamon in this, and you know that sort of bullshit. Yeah, I'm just like it tastes good. I'm That's what I do with more. wine. <laughs> oh, dude, bad about wine, man. I, I could taste the dark chocolate. I could taste the type of wood they use. I could taste the if it doesn't have cherry, I don't. I'm not fucking with it. <laughs> I'll do that with whiskey. If I get whiskeys, I like I like different flavor profiles to it. But like that's a very niche thing that I, that that I only do it on. Um, but yeah, and the, the movie just has the you know, and of course it has the scene where their version of Tiny Tim, the you know the little kid, you know he's like God bless us everyone or whatever, uh, or God save us, or however it's phrased. But you know, fucker finally all, spoke. Who, yeah, who, when he finally spoke. Who was Tiny Tim? I'm trying to think of the girl. What was the girl that was playing Tiny Tim? Oh, uh, Mary Lou Retton. Oh. <laughs> she was so fucking popular in the 80s, always fucking doing backflips on every fucking movie she was in. <laughs> that is true. She was in, uh, what, Mary Naked Gun? Tiny Tim. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I was dying, and it really was her, too. I thought it was a joke, and I was like, nope, they fucking had her. She's always I playing herself. Not- 
I kind of found it funny. I got vibes of speaking of another movie that came out just a year later. So they probably filmed them at around the same time was ghostbusters too. I felt like the ending with it, when they would spray everything down with a goo and everybody was singing the song together in New York had very similar vibes to this scene in the yeah, movie where they're all singing together. Oh my God. Everyone just knew the lyrics to this fucking new song that was on the radio. <laughs> right. No, no way. That, that song was a little bit older. Well, yeah, but it, it was, yeah, that's true. It, you remember back then if, if there, you didn't have decentralized media like this. Yeah. So whatever me, whatever yeah. media was that, that you heard, everybody else was hearing the same thing. So it was very cohesive. So if a song made the charts, it wasn't just the charts in your city. It was a charts across yeah. the entire country. Yeah. So everybody heard it. Um, and, of course, the the scene at the end, which is more of a Ferris Bueller type rip, you know, a riff or whatever, where he's, like, you know, talking to the audience. That was all ad-libbed, obviously, but, you know, Murray. But I Yeah, that went that on a bit long. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, on the, the right side, okay, you all suck. You know, left side, you know, that sort of thing. But, um. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, if you want to rate it based upon just, you know, being a Christmas movie, I, I heard somebody make this comment the other day and I, and it, it's true. I mean, there's the argument you make about Die Hard, whether it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's, yes, it's, it's set during Christmas, but is the feeling of the movie a Christmas movie? You know, like the feeling at the end of it, you feel like the joy of the holiday. And I, you could debate that on Die Hard. It probably doesn't have that, although I, I, I just love seeing Hans Gruber fall from the top and knock Tommy Tower, but that's a whole other argument. Um, but this movie definitely has those good feel vibes that you want from a Christmas movie. It, feel it, good you know, vibes. It, yeah, it's it's got those, you know, it's like you've learned your lesson, you know what the true spirit of the holiday is, it's joining in with other people, you know, it, it's got, so it's definitely a Christmas film in, in that sense. But, you know, it, it, it and, and I feel like it's a good meta, you know, way to do, uh, a Christmas Carol because you know they're, they've got the the dual like the the, the TV show, uh, the broadcast, and you know his own thing going on at the same time. Yeah. Um, you all have any comments about the movie before we give our ratings? I mean, you know, to anything else you you thought about that you want to bring up? Babe, uh, I'm thinking. Okay, I'll go because this was probably you. You guys are gonna laugh because you know I'm not. I wasn't very well versed in films at all when I was younger. I saw what I saw, and I was lucky to see that, honestly. But this was probably one of my first uh, introductions to Scrooge, other than maybe the Mickey one. Because um, I, I do recall seeing that as a young child. But this was like my introduction to the real one. And I was obviously a kid. I was six years old. Uh, freshly diabetic, too, is what I realized from that year. <laughs> I got it in October of that year. So I, I thought this film was scary. Like, I'm not super scary, but, like, the skeleton hand and obviously the fucking ghost of Christmas Future just terrorized me as a young child. Um, so I didn't watch it for a long time after that because I thought it was a scary film. So. <laughs> you really thought it was a scary movie? As a kid, yeah. As a kid, I did. You got to remember, my parents had me very fucking sheltered from a lot of shit. So. Okay. And, and I feel like a lot of the ghosts in this are a little bit more, I, I wouldn't say mean-spirited, but they're a lot more sarcastic and biting than they are in a lot of the other versions you see of A Christmas Carol. Because, you know, like the, I mean, I, you get that a little bit in the uh, in, in the George C. Scott version, you know, they, they have that in there. But I, a lot of, especially the ones for kids, like they, they make the ghosts just kind of like, you know, they're, I mean, they get upset with Ebenezer because he, he, he's an ass, but at the same time, they're, they're still really playing with kids gloves with him you know yeah. whereas like See, in I, this one it's like 
you know, I'm going to beat the shit out of you in the, at least in Carol Kane's, you know, version. And of course the cabbie, you know, he's, he's just, you know, making, you know, fun of Frank the entire time that he, outside the parts where he really needs the emotion to hit home. Yeah, there's definitely, I see that now as an adult, but as a kid, I was like, Oh my God, this was scary. And I didn't get a whole, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> as I'm dying now, I didn't get a whole lot of it from a child other than, Hey, this was a guy that was angry about something and now he's happy. That's what I thought. <laughs> now I'm like, oh my God, this is a whole fucking real life story and can apply in real life situations. Not so much the ghost, but maybe the realization of who you are and what you really want to be. See, I, I, I like when movies get as close to how people are as they can. And I think the movie does a good job. Like every, like every ghost other than the ghost of Christmas future does a pretty good job of hitting kind of how people are with the, from the second ghost getting mad at him and slapping his ass around to the first, <laughs> to the first ghost with the dark sense of humor. Like these are all real, real like movies. A lot of older movies did a poor job of hitting how people are like hiding a lot of like under like illusions. This movie does a lot better job of showing a more grittiness to that. Like these, th th these are more tangible to how people are to a degree. Yeah, I, I've heard some people make the debate that the older movies, they, they prefer, the, they feel like that, you know, a lot of like movies, especially during the 80s around this came out or the 90s, went a little too uh, gritty and, and dark for just that purpose. And there were some that did. But I feel like, you know, just like you were saying, like the movies prior to that, especially like I was discussing earlier, 50s and 60s, they tried to make themselves look so buttoned up that they cut away. There's like people don't, you know, exist like that. And it's like, of course they do. It's like you're talking about a time period whenever Frank Sinatra was womanizing and, you know, and, and drinking like a fish. Well, like, now that, just go back farther. Like you can go through human history and read books and stuff like that, that people have written that nail it. Like we, we all, if you're consuming media, prior to like uh 1901 you're getting the refined version that they're allowing but if you actually d like delve into people's diaries and stuff like that of those eras they're very much like the average person now like they, they, they didn't live a, a refined life they read they, they lived a real like a regular working class person's life where you there's a lot of gray area in everything you do well, and I feel like when you're talking about books and stuff, that that's a whole other discussion because it's like the social media effect that you got now. People like to put on, you know, put on the the image that they're better than they are. TikTok. You know, they don't, my life is just know. like it looks on TikTok. Right. My life and, is and, not and how they, it looks and, like and, on my TikTok. <laughs> well, I'm just saying and, though. And they did that with novels and stuff back in the in, in the old days. They they would like you know oh well we 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 don't do that sort of thing at home. We don't like you know curse or you know when, when in reality they did they were human beings. They did all that stuff, but they cut that out because they wanted to make themselves appear more yes, moral and refined. ethical and you know. Yeah, and but that's the thing is too people deny that too. But if you wrote a book that they didn't agree with, they just flat out want to publish it. So you never and, and never made it into the market. If you weren't allowed to go through uh, a printing press or anything like that, because even after the Gutenberg printing press, uh, the printing press market blew up. So th they were printing stuff across all countries after that happened. But even then, if if they didn't like what your book was, they didn't have to print it for you. So you yeah. could never get into replication. So unless you you fit the narrative that they were trying to go for, and never caught any traction anywhere. <laughs> Which that's a whole other argument or parallels social media oh yeah or censorship put that out there what facebook or you know youtube or whoever it is you know wants the you know then then you're obviously not going to be seen so 
Yeah, like well, there's a big one, the the Google Gulag Archipelago. I mean, I remember when that when Solzhenitsyn wrote that, they he couldn't get it published anywhere in Russia. He had to get it published outside, and even when he tried to get it published in America, you had people that wouldn't let him publish it because it was criticizing the communists over there. So they they yeah. like anybody who doesn't like what you're doing, they can just. It's not even censoring you. They just won't help you out. And then you're stuck. You can't do anything. I think more than anything, this film goes to show exactly what I said earlier about even if you didn't have media forms, talk was a big thing because obviously long, 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 long time ago, we didn't have radios. We didn't have TVs. But people shared the stories and they shared the rumors and it became traditions and then it became celebrations of well, and not so much celebrations now because we still use fear today, but using fear, but more so in real life situations. So fear to drive, like, for instance, Little Red Riding Hood wasn't about a big bad wolf in the in the woods. It was about like child predators, human predators. Yes, yeah. that could get you. So not much has changed in terms of passing down these stories that are meant to be enjoyed, not using fear to fucking scare you into, you know, whatever you they think you need to do. In general, with stuff that's going on in today's society, we won't discuss. <laughs> yeah. But using fear to say, hey, you better watch out. You better not cry, you know, things like that. Because Santa's coming after you. And if it's not Santa, it's going to be Krampus. That's going to drag your ass through the chimney. <laughs> you know, things to make people behave or maybe make better choices. Uh, hey, don't go out past this party. Stay with everybody here because the bad monster is going to get you in the woods. Well, that bad monster is a snowstorm, you know. Real life fear. When was the original Christmas Carol wrote? Uh, Reverend, do you have that or do you need me to get it? Uh, 1843, I believe is what I Ooh, said. Oh, yeah, 1843 and look how, look how dead on he hit human nature. Yeah, 1600s wasn't much different in, their, in terms I, of their I, stories I know. too. I, I, I agree 100%. I'm just making a point though. Like we try to take this thing that people were so refined back then. Yeah. It's like, no, like not even. Like we just have better technology. Same people. Yeah. Different technology. Exactly. So um, I I like the tradition. I like carrying on. I like the this film in particular. Do we want to start rolling into, into reviews? Hello? Uh-oh. We lost him. Roro. Danger Will Robinson. Danger Will Robinson. Okay, I wonder if I yeah, have review it. I mean, I liked it. I, I've always liked this movie growing up. And uh, it, if I had to review it, what what's the review system for it? Uh, we do it, uh, by zombies or <laughs> we're not going to do a special Christmas edition. I don't think so. Give me a second. Let me try to get him back on the bells that ring out against evil. Well, hello there, friend. Hey, yeah, I was just sitting there and all of a sudden it was dead silent. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, before you were cut off so rudely by the ghost of a uh, Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, I said, are we ready to roll into reviews? Sure. The um, husbands want to know if we're doing any kind of special Christmas edition of reviews. <laughs> I mean, I was sticking uh, with the with the with the, the bells that ring out evil. What? Yeah. Ring, ring it on Christmas bells. Yeah, they're, they're designed to drive out evil. We give it a rating. Well, just remember, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Are so, we talking about I a mean, death angel? <laughs> Hell's <go>. angel. <laughs> we can do it off of bells. I think that's a good idea. I want to start out. It's a uh, five out of five. Five out of five, five bells for you. Five out of five bells. It's uh, just the perfect mix of the comedy and, you know, like everything we discussed and then the horror elements. I mean, I just love it. It's it's a good film. Yeah, 100. Hubs, you want to go? Same for me. It's yeah. a five out of five. 
um, I have to concur. Do you have anything to add to it, though? No, I think he's. Or... Yeah, it's just it's it's weird that I'm older when I when I watch movies that 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 are more oriented around a good message. I, it tugs on my heartstrings totally different from when I was younger. It's weird. I don't know if you get sappy when you get older or what happens. But. <laughs> well, I've always been yeah. like that as a woman. So yeah, okay. Well, I'm not like that, so I don't like it. <laughs> You're slowly turning into a woman. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Going through? A, are you putting estrogen in all my food and I'm not aware of well, it? Well, notice you're getting nicer and I'm getting meaner. Wow. Like I think we're starting to balance each other out a little bit. <laughs> it's 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 the hormonal thing. It's like guys start losing testosterone, so they you know they get a little bit more sappy, and the women lose their estrogen. You know, they get more manly. Start growing a beard. <laughs> She's going to join the circus. Shut it. Um, I also rate this a five out of five bells because, I mean, for me, it had a good, you know, amount of Christmas tradition in it. It had more of an element surprise, not so much fear. Obviously, I was more scared as a child by the random shit that I saw on this that I was like, what the fuck is this? You know? So I think that element of surprise kind of gives you a a nice little jump. Um, It pushes, it also pushes the character into what he, his realizations of what he needs to be seeing that he's not seeing. Um, I don't know. It just has all of that in it. And then some, and I'm happy to be reviewing it on a podcast where we review quotation marks, scary films because it Christmas, a Christmas Carol in general, whether you're reading the book and no matter which movie you're show you're watching is going to have a little bit of horror element in it. Well, you know what, if you were to view it from this perspective it might it might be super scary if you were to go back a hundred years and mm-hmm. show somebody this movie oh yeah we're so desensitized to what we think is scary but if you like it if you show like daphne has mm-hmm. daphne seen this movie oh we gotta ask her she never mentioned she said no Muppet no no Christmas i take Carol that back i take that back i think she agreed with when i when i mentioned scrooge i i believe she agreed because I, I, I can imagine somebody like her getting scared about a movie like I thought, this I was thinking Fred was the one that agreed. And oh, she maybe said a, a Muppet Christmas Carol was her favorite version. Yeah, Muppet but babies. it but it all depends. Like as Amer- as people in like in the current modernity, like we're desensitized to what a lot of scary stuff is because I mean we've got some really good scary movies to to compare it to, and been in and this one, if you were to go back decent, like I think even if you went back to like the sixties, it probably would ring a lot more scarier to people of that era compared to what we have I- now. I think it, I mean, even back in the 80s, I mean, you know, of course, they, they uh, obviously with the George C. Scott version and some others that came out, they they had that element played up in it. But I feel like this one, you know, went more into that than um, than you would have, I mean, that you normally saw in that sort of thing. Because they, they were used to just like, you know, the, the just the pale, you know, like Jacob Marley or whatever you saw. They wouldn't, you know, like they, they really went into the effects more in this than they, they ever did in any of the other films. Yeah. All right. Well, do we have anything else? Uh, I believe that's it as far as like what I have to say. I mean, I just, it's a great movie. It's, I, you it's, know what? I, got, I actually got a follow up question unrelated to the movie. Can we save it for okay. after? <laughs> or after commentary? <laughs> no, I'll ask him right now. It's, it's Christmas related. It, you, okay. did, did you ever watch the Will Vinton's um, claymation, Christmas claymation with the, with the two dinosaurs? California uh, can't Raisins. Say, can't say it, I did. Oh. You would love that. It's so it it. I think it came out in ninety two, and it's a okay. Chris. It's a Christmas animation. It's hell good. You would like it, and it's a uh, it's a it's a couple. I gotta have Raina send you the video. I I got okay. I got that uh, MP three or whatever I want to send you too of that audio book. But 
I'll, I'll have Arena send you over the the video too. It's killer, dude. It, if you get a chance, jump on YouTube and can catch one of people. Acclamation Christmas, 1987. 87. 87, which I kind of knew because the California reasons, I don't remember, yeah. I remember them being popular in the 90s. Yeah, Late 80s, right. maybe. That just reminds me, there was like this Fred Savage, like, uh, special that we watched at school all the time back in the eighties where it was like, he was about dinosaurs and it was all claymation dinosaurs. It just reminds me of that. Whenever you say it, <laughs> yeah, the, the, oh, the, two, the two dinosaurs are, are they're, they're, they talking regular and everything, but they're announcing the special and they're like each, the commentators yeah. or whatever. And, okay. e and like, so each there's, there's like, it's multiple different skits that are rolled to. They're all clay animation. And in between each skit, they have their own little thing going on while they're, while they're narrating. It's pretty funny, dude. It's pretty good. Watch okay. it every year with the kids. So, um, do you want to, uh, you know, plug any uh, blue collar BS while we're on here? No, nope. You, you guys can plug <laughs> it if you want. It's Friday nights at eight, uh, California time. California raisin time. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, blue collar BS. If you want to catch the hubs on there with their uh, show, uh, just make sure you really like them because they, you might not agree with everything they say, but that's okay because they're all about open, being open minded. So, you know, what's weird is sitting in the studio now with the table flipped. I don't know if you saw how it's orientated now. Oh, no, I didn't tell him that we changed the studio around. Yeah. But he's since he's got his camera, we might use StreamYard. I want to see how the audio comes out. Um, I'll probably edit this out of our show. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's, so obviously I can show my camera. Um, I'll probably we'll probably see if we want to do video next time or not. I don't know how he feels about that. But anyways, yes, Blue Collar BS Fridays, 8 p.m. California time ish. Always. Um, catch us on pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts, uh, everywhere except Pandora, because we are still pending approval for Pandora. Yeah. And Pandora took a minute for me to get authorization. It's been almost a year. Whoa. Yeah. And it's still impending. Like every time I go to check, it's still pending. And I'm like, oh, what? Yes. They approved you guys. I want to say within six months. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, and so uh, waiting for on Pandora. You can also catch us on YouTube. While I don't post video yet, it is a possibility that may be coming up in the future. So, yeah, that's pretty much about it. All right, and with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. Ooh. <laughs>